Hey there, story fiends, and welcome to Their Stories Everywhere with Elidria Hurt. We are in episode 15, and you know what that means. We've got a special episode for you. This week, we're hearing from author Adam Messer, who writes the Savannah Vampire novel starting with Blood Thrasher, The Devils in the Metal. It almost makes you want to headbang. Without further ado, I'll let Adam take it away. Hello, my name is Adam Messer, and I'm the author of Blood Thrasher, The Devils in the Metal, the Savannah Vampire Novel Series, and I'm doing a reading today for Elydria Hurt. This chapter is called A Call to Order. A Call to Order. We're broadcasting live here from the jungle. Tonight's band is none other than Blood Thrasher. There's still a chance to win if you can guess Anna's favorite food. Coming up in 10 minutes, we'll have an exclusive behind-the-scenes interview with Anna, where she will reveal what her favorite food is. Call the station now at 912-555-ROCK. I'm your DJ, Eddie Van Slaughter, and you're listening to Savannah's hardest rock station, WHMR Savannah, The Hammer. Anna hated all the reverie, but she knew it was part of the show. Everything was part of the show. The only comfort offered to her was a newfound admiration for her Johnny Walker, who reminded her of her first love. Even though he could never take Kevin's place, maybe Johnny could help her make sense of her life without living. Although Johnny began to change, he was still predominantly human. Anna and Johnny were enthralled with each other. They spent the last 24 hours giggling and talking like a new love. She offered him some of her blood, and he began swooning with images from her past. He could taste her soul, and although he was not completely turned, he could feel a change inside. The other band members remained quiet, with the exception of Greg. For Greg, Anna meant more than just a face in the band. She was a promise of the future. They never had a romantic love, but he felt like she was the future of the coven and wanted more from her. He protected her from the other elders' jealousy and gave her space to discover her new life. Life as a vampire varied as new members joined the family. No two were the same. Some turned and adopted the lifestyle immediately. Others became savage and had to be cold. The gift of vampirism depended on several considerable factors, including the lineage from which the newly turned came from. Aristocratic blood tended to carry more intellectualism, while New World blood carried variations and mutations. Greg was once known as the Lord of the Manor in pre-Empire England. He was formerly known as Duke Gregory Smythe of Canterbury. He was once in a famous story about an unnamed wealthy landowner who loved parties and gatherings. Although he traveled to the Americas in the early 1600s, he adopted current customs as times changed. He abandoned the old world for the promise of something different. Living nearly 900 years led to boredom, and excitement only came during war and travesty. Are you enjoying your new plaything, Anna? he asked. He smirked, pointing at the back of the room where Johnny slept. He's not a plaything, Greg, she retorted. I'm thinking of giving up this whole band gig and doing something different. Greg peered savagely at her. He shook it off and smiled. Why, of course, Anna, whatever you want. But remember, you can never go back to your life before. And even if you want to play house with your new boy toy, you can never and will never be human again. Anna snarled at him. You made me this way, you animal. You and your bloody promises. I wish you had left me to die on the streets. At least then, I would not have to exist between the land of the living and the damned. Cursed to walk this land forever. Greg walked over to her, putting his hand on her shoulder. Give it time, Anna. I'm only trying to help. I've been down the same road, 
Love lost, love found, living in the one who reminds you of another. They come, they go. Humans are the most intriguing and disappointing creatures. I have traveled and seen much of this world. What we have here right now is as good as it gets, he replied. He held his arms up. What more could you ask for? We have fame, glory, and succulents who give us themselves freely. We don't have to hunt like common street rats looking for our next meal. Do you want life to live like that? Is that what you really want, Anna? Anna shrugged, crossing her arms. She sat down. You call this living? How? She shook her head. This is not living. There is nothing to live for here. Our mere existence means the end of someone else's life. Is that what you call fame and glory? The blood on our hands? That is the curse of our soul? Greg sat next to her, not saying a word. He reached out to her with his mind to try to ease her. Listen, Anna, there is much more at stake than you realize. There are those who would eradicate our kind completely, given the chance. All I'm asking you is to consider this before you turn him completely. I know you have exchanged blood. I can sense it. He is still yet a human, though your blood runs in him now. His heart still beats, but it is not too late for him to let go. Do you really need him? He will never be Kevin. Anna didn't reply to Greg. She stood up and walked over to where Johnny slept. By exchanging blood, she knew his thoughts and memories, and he knew hers. This intensified sense of intimacy strengthened the bond between the two from the exchange. Though Johnny had not completely turned, he would decide tonight, and they would make a final exchange. Johnny, wake up. I need to talk with you, she said, gently shaking him. The final show of the Savannah Leg of the Blood Thrasher tour started at 10 p.m. The band cherry-picked new groupies for the road, and everyone waited for the show to start. They were not the only ones waiting for the show. The order arrived to Savannah early in the morning and prepared for the attack to quelch the uprising in Savannah. Whoa, we've got a lot going on and we're only halfway through the first chapter. Let's take a moment to catch our breath, then dive back in. Father Gregory blessed the Mass, open only to the members of the Order. As Friar Warriors, he blessed their minds, their hearts, and souls. He also blessed their weapons and armor. Trained in the different disciplines of war, the Order dealt with the occult and hunted vampires for nearly a thousand years. They were prepared to die for the cross against those who shed blood. A myriad of fans packed the jungle's floor. Although the first two nights were mostly human, the third night belonged to the vampire. It was a virtual orgy of bloodletting and opulence in the club. Members from the Savannah elite attended with their concubines. They allowed a few select humans as potential new harvests for the evening. Blood Thrasher took stage and began shredding music. Anna stayed backstage while the music played. She held Johnny and told him not to worry. After tonight, they would make a new life for themselves. She walked out on stage and the fans cheered, Thank you, Savannah. Tonight, we rock. The order moved in quickly, covering the, all the exits. One soldier approached the front door. Sold out. You can't get in, said the large bouncer to one of the friar soldiers. The friar smiled, noticing the fangs on the bouncer. He reached up, pushing his earphone. We have a confirmed vampire. Permission to engage. A voice replied, permission granted. Dispense with judicial prejudice. The bouncer grabbed the soldier, but he was no match. The soldier gutted him, dropping the bouncer to his knees. He left the blade end, removing his falchion, 
and decapitated the vampire. The entrance is clear, sir. Orders, he asked. Move in. Bar the door. We have the Fox team covering the rear. No one escapes and ensure every vampire meets swift justice. Save the souls of the bloodletters if you can. If not, dispense justice as well, said the commander. Several smoke bombs burst into the crowd. Most thought it was part of the show, only to find out too late. The smoke bombs released a chemical compound which included holy water as the base, making the vampires weak and vulnerable to attack. Anna could not see anything in the room with the smoke and continued singing. The band cranked up the music. The order moved in swiftly in unison, killing everyone in the room as they advanced. With confusion from the loud music, the muffled screams cried out for help. It took several moments for anyone to realize the attack. Anna had no clue until a vampire landed on stage dead with a sword in her back. Blood gushing from her throat, a hand reached out from the smoke, pulling out the sword and then decapitating her head from behind. Anna's first thoughts jumped to Johnny. She ran off stage looking for him. Finding him in the back room, she screamed for him. Johnny, we've got to get out of here. Someone is out there killing everyone and we need to get out of here now, she said. Johnny grabbed her. Anna, I can help. I want to be with you. Trust me. Let me help. Are you sure about this, Johnny? We can run away right now, she asked. Whoever's doing this will pay. I will protect you from them, he said. She used a fingernail to make a small incision on her shoulder. Johnny drank the blood. His heart raced, adrenaline pumping, and his entire body tried to fight off the change. His heart stopped beating. He turned pale and slumped over. Anna wept, thinking Johnny's heart rejected the new blood, and he died. She never turned to anyone before. In a panic, she ran to try to find Greg. Johnny woke up confused. He was thrust into battle. Thinking him dead, the order ignored him. He jumped up from the floor and grabbed a chair. He slammed it over the nearest soldier, knocking him out. Another soldier lunged at him with a sword and a wooden stake. Johnny backhanded him, knocking him across the room. He ran out on stage. Anna, he yelled, Anna, but he could not see her. Johnny grabbed one of the swords, burning his hand. He threw it across the room. Looking at his hands, his fingernails grew into sharp, pointed daggers, and his fangs shot out. A bloodlust consumed him. He grabbed the nearest human, sinking his teeth into the girl's neck, bleeding her dry. Feeling a surge of power come over his body, he searched for Anna again. Get that one, an older soldier called out, pointing at Johnny. The two ran towards him, grabbing him and threw him to the ground. Johnny slashed him open, ripping out the throat of one of the friars. He picked up the other and threw him across the room. Anna, where are you? He heard Anna crying nearby and ran over to her. She and Greg were hiding in the equipment closet. We have to get out of here now, Anna. Come with me and let's get out of here, Johnny said. Anna grabbed him and kissed him. I thought you were gone, she said with tears in her eyes. Looking at Greg, Johnny said, I bet that's what he would want. Johnny ran over and grabbed Greg by the throat, lifting him up and slamming him against the wall. What's with you, dude? You've been riding me ever since I met Anna. I ought to rip your throat out here like I did that soldier in the club. Easy, my boy, Greg said, waving his hands over Johnny's face. That's the bloodlust talking to you, not you. The feeling will pass, but I assure you that if you do not put me down, you will regret ever touching me. Confused, Johnny felt a strong desire to put Greg down, at the same time wanting to kill him. The overpowering feeling to let Greg go won, and he put him down. There, that's better. Now, my boy, what is your plan? Greg asked. Anna slapped Greg across the face. 
I am sick of your mind games, Greg. You are the only one who knows anything in the coven, so what is your plan? I don't know yet, but we need to get the hell out of here, Johnny said. The three fled from the house, watching as they ran away, hoping no one would follow them. Commander Thompson, we found Smith, the soldier said. It's not good. One of the coven ripped out his throat and is no longer with us. We believe the same vampire escaped with two others from surveillance footage we reviewed on Smith's body cam. Thompson bowed his head in prayer. Let his soul rest. He was a good man. He served our Lord and fulfilled his duty. He would be honored. Looking at the soldier, his tone changed. Now, what are the escaped vampires? Where do they go? We need to track them down and dispense justice immediately. Sir, the soldier hesitated. It's not that we don't know where they went. He paused. They barred the door, and we are working to break it down. My fear. Fear? There is no place for fear, soldier. Do you understand me? Thompson interrupted him. Yes, Commander. Let me rephrase. My concern is by the time we remove the barricade, the vampires in question will be long gone. Thompson replied. Then double your efforts and report back immediately. Looking around the room, he noticed one struggling vampire gasping for air. He walked over and thrust his anointed blade through the vampire's mouth, removing it, and then slammed the braid down across the vampire's neck, decapitating the beast. He ordered every vampire and human succulent decapitated. Save the souls of the willing, he called out, and if not, end their torment. Want to get your copy of Blood Thrasher, The Devils in the Metal? Check the line notes for the Amazon link, and you can buy it there. Adam, of course, can be found on the interwebs at www.adammesser.net. That is A-D-A-M-M-E-S-S-E-R.net, where you can sign up for his newsletter and learn when the next Blood Thrasher book is going to come out. Now, as usual, you can check out the voicemail function on our podcast through anchor.fm. You can please and thank you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to support the podcast, please and thank you. Check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Hurt.